Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech and Radio podcast. My name is Camille and I'll be your host. I'm a guerrilla marketing manager at David Systems, which is an enterprise software company in audio. We're based in Munich, Germany. I'm very excited about this podcast, which will consist in a series of interviews with great women in tech. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to this newest episode of Women in Tech and Radio. I'm really happy to welcome Rosie and Sarah for this special episode on how the radio, more generally, how the audio industry is dealing with coronavirus. So welcome, Sarah and Rosie. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. Could you introduce yourselves, please? Okay, I'm Rosie Smith. I work for Radio Days Europe, which is the biggest radio conference in the world right now. And I'm uh, Sarah Taparoff. I work for Netia, which is um, an enterprise radio solution software provider. And I work with users on how to better understand and improve their workflows. So before we jump in into the subject, I'd like to know how you got into the radio industry, Rosie. Okay, so a fun story. I was 19 and I was living in Edinburgh and I had to go and find some summer work. So actually my dad saw an advertisement in the newspaper at the time and it was for a intern position at Wise Buddha, the jingle company down in London. And so I went down there and I worked for them and worked on Pete's, Pete Tong's Essential Selection on a Friday night. And I also met some people who were working on digital radio. And I decided to write my dissertation on digital radio. And that was my start in radio. So thank you very much, Wise Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, how did you get into it? I've always kind of wanted to work in radio. So I'm originally from the US and I moved to France about 10 years ago. But when I was in the US, I was on sort of a track to work probably in uh, music programming. I did all my internships like sort of at Sirius XM and I was like active in my university radio really around music. Um, and then I decided to move to France. And I worked for an NGO uh, called Global Editors Network, uh, which is actually where I met Rosie and how I got involved with uh, some some Radio Day stuff. And yeah, that was focused um, on digital innovation and journalism sort of widely across all platforms. But I was always the one that was sort of evangelizing podcasting and different like audio hacks um, and solutions to be able to do better like digital storytelling. And yeah, that sort of got me involved uh, with a lot of different people in radio and audio, which eventually brought me to Netia. Thank you. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, the topic of uh, this episode is about how the radio industry has been dealing with the current pandemic. And there's several themes I want to touch on. So the first one is technology. Actually, I'm going to ask this question to you, Sarah, because you mm -hmm. work for a tech company as well. So what was the role of technology in the response of the radio industry to the pandemic? So I, I worked with uh, lots of media folks in hackathon environment, 
And I think this has really been a really interesting opportunity to see how people can really hack solutions. So at the beginning of confinement, which happened quite quickly in most places, not a lot of radios were ready. Some were, which was very impressive for this kind of scenario, but it was kind of, okay, what do we have? How can we make it work? And, you know, starting small, adding different workflows. People were tailoring solutions to different workflows. And kind of where where Netzia comes in is that we're an enterprise software. So we have the challenge of trying to reproduce the workflows that people have physically at the radio station with all of their technical infrastructure on site and trying to reproduce those scenarios in an autonomous way without sort of losing the the interfaces and, and the UX that the pe- people are already really comfortable with. So that's been a really interesting challenge over the past weeks and months, and uh, people are responding well to it. So we're, we're trying to incorporate our enterprise solutions into these sort of DIY hacks that are being currently used. Yeah, I think we can all agree that Basically, the technology was kind of ready, not necessarily for this <laughs> pandemic, but the technology was ready to move to the home office, basically, because we have like more and more web-based solutions. I know that at David Systems, we offered every web-based solution, all the solutions you needed to stay home, but stay on air, basically. So the technologies was ready for it and like when the circumstances like appeared people kind of jumped in and they worked this magic exactly i think i think one of the things has been that this has been a life hack for most people as well so if you'd have said to a lot of broadcasters we're going to give you lots of different types of technology and you're going to have to learn them very quickly and then you're going to have to go on air and you're going to have to broadcast from home They would have all turned around and said, I'm not doing it. And some of the stations would have said, we're not doing it. It doesn't give us the quality that we want. It doesn't give us the experience that we want. All of those things have gone out the window. And now everybody is having to take all of these different technologies that were available, find the best ones for them, find out how to use them, make mistakes and learn, I think. And that's one of the the best things about this experience is people making mistakes with the technology but then learning from it and saying hey we can actually produce better radio using these technologies and we can use in in different ways and with audiences as well and providing content on on different platforms so i think it has been a positive experience in some ways though i'm sure it's been really difficult for some stations in fact i know it has um because it's such a huge learning curve. Yeah, and I'm just going to um go back to what you were saying about like web-based tools as an example, like we're finding some of our radio partners that were always sort of just like yeah, yeah, just let us know when it's done. Now they're getting super involved and they're really willing to test uh solutions that we're rolling out. They're willing to test them with the users. And really, like, for me, this experience should be an example of how we should always work in terms of iterative delivery of software and really putting the user at the center of whatever we're building. So in that sense, it's been it's been quite positive because exactly what Rosie was saying, like what we didn't think 
was possible has has become possible in a really short amount of time. Yeah, I agree. I think it was really great to see how it was not only the technology that was made available to people, but also the people basically who made it happen in the end. Okay, they didn't have the choice in the beginning, but then they were like, okay, let's do this and let's do this right. Yeah, the collaboration as well of people learning on the technology has been a huge thing. So I think I said to you last week that Whereas everybody in my world would be traveling to events and traveling to different cities all of the time and going to meetings. And it was really difficult to kind of sit down and work through problems with people and collaborate with people. Now everybody's in the same situation and they have more time because they're in the office, the home office, and um, everybody needs these technical solutions to work. So it's brought a lot of people together, I think. It, e even though we're not physically together, we have a bit more time. I'm sure some people will turn around and say, we have no time whatsoever. This is a crazy period because in broadcasting, different people are having to deal with really different situations. I think it was really interesting to see the learning experiences of people in terms of broadening their skills as well because for instance there was a video from a french radio host who went from like working every day on his morning show with a team of 15 people to just working at home alone and he was saying okay like now i do my transitions alone I, something small but in the end it goes from a 15 people to a one-man show yeah Which is, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves as, you know, we gradually deconfine in terms of who, who is allowed to do what within radio environments. So during this time, a lot of, uh, a lot of, there's been a lot of convergence in terms of tasks. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves, um, to see if there are going to be, you know, space created for these more hybrid profiles. Yes, we'll talk about the future in a moment. I just wanted to ask you both if you heard, if you saw how different countries reacted differently to lockdown. So I'm sitting in Spain, but obviously I'm English. So I'm seeing two very different perspectives in terms of broadcasting in different countries and how they've adapted to lockdown. And I think that the biggest thing in both countries is innovation. So they're having to change the way that they make content and they're having to think of something new and different. And also the news cycle, obviously, is if it was 24 hours before, it definitely is 24 hours now because everybody's constantly checking news and social media and listening to the radio and we've seen that in terms of the spike in radio listening and the sales of actual radio receivers in the UK. In Spain I think that people are turning to the radio in this time of crisis because they trust radio and there was a new piece of research out uh, from a lady called Emma Rodero last week, and it was just saying that people trust the radio still. So I think the differences continue to be the standard, the normal differences between radio in UK and radio in Spain. But the main thing is everybody is listening to the radio right now. Yeah, I agree with Rosie in saying that there's a lot of generalizations that we can make across borders. Definitely trust is one. I think across the board, radio and audio are considered like consistently highest rated trusted news sources. 
I would say that there's maybe more of a divide in public versus private now because public radios, which is most of our clients at Netia and, and David are, you know, considered an essential service even more so now perhaps than ever. But Rosie, I think you were speaking a little bit to how private radios have had a little bit of a tougher go of it. You know, they've lost the commute listeners. Yeah, for sure. And the revenues are not in a healthy way at all. And I think the commercial stations and the small ultra local stations are all really suffering through this. Not in terms of listenership and reach, which is ironic, but in terms of where are they going to get funding from in the near future? Because everything has changed so much and brands are having to catch up with these changes and a lot of brands aren't trading right now. So I think the commercial stations really, really do need help and support. And I know that the AER have been doing a lot of a lot of work to try and get information out of, of different funding models around Europe. Um, and they've got information on their website about that. But it's going to be a really tough time for the short, medium, probably long term for commercial stations. The other the other difference that I would say just in terms of like technological readiness, I mean, and this is sort of a case by case basis, not really like border specific, but I think the easiest transitions from a radio environment to like a working from home environment that I was seeing were radios that continually invest in technology for their teams. So it's interesting, like everyone sort of came at it at a different point. And what's been cool is that they're learning from each other. Well, it's survival, isn't it? Everybody's looking towards everybody else because they need to survive. And all of these innovations and um, technology platforms are going to help them do that. And I think a similar anecdote to yours, I was speaking to a big public broadcaster at Radio Days last year in 2019, and I asked them if they would broadcast remotely, possibly at Radio Days 2020, and they said, no, we, we can't possibly do that, and it's, it's totally impossible. Well, now all of their stations pretty much and all of their programs are having to broadcast from remote locations. So I think everybody's just having to change the way they were right across the board. It's interesting. I think it will lead to an interesting future. I mean, we spoke about podcasting. Sarah, you said that changes there or maybe not so many changes because they they've always been remote workers, more or less. A lot of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think everything that you said was just a great example of generally all the different actors of the radio ecosystem working together in order to stay on air from home. Moving on from the technological aspect, so how do you see the structure and the content of radio and podcasting changing? I've I've been really impressed. So I'm I'm a really big podcast fan. I'm like a super consumer of podcasts. And I think what's been interesting is to see kind of how some of the live shows have responded because obviously they can't have a live format anymore. One that's been really impressive for me was Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is, you know, a very special weekly ritual for me. I mean, I also host a quiz, so, you know, sometimes I get some of my material. If you want to follow my uh, my trivia activity, you can find me at the Paris Quiz Mistress. But yeah, wait, wait, don't tell me. They were great because they've been doing a live show every week for decades. 
And I don't think they missed a week um, when they had to go into confinement and they weren't scared of sort of experimenting in public. And to be honest, like the first couple episodes sounded weird. And like at first they didn't have any applause and then they had like a weird applause machine that sounded a little creepy and then they changed it to having, you know, live recorded applause. Yeah, it's been really great. I mean, they're still able to get the same level of celebrity guests and, you know, of course the banter between the people on the panel is a little bit more stilted, but we feel like we're going through it with them you know, everything becomes sort of instantly relatable because we are sort of all in the same situation. Another highlight for me during this period has been Still Processing, which is a great culture podcast from the New York Times. And just, I always really relate to whatever the hosts are saying or talking about. And um, they're always so candid, but I don't know, it has a special resonance right now just to, in terms of feeling like we're all together. Another thing that they're doing is that I've really enjoyed is having call-in episodes or segments. So I I really like it when podcasts do this because it is sort of a radio trope is having listener call-ins. But again, it contributes to the sense of sharing community. You know, we're kind of all in this together, even if we're apart. And I've been really impressed and a happy listener. We talked about this uh, last week as well, Sarah, that basically people are more interested in happy podcasts like comedy. Yeah, I would also add that there's been a real uptick in kids' content, both production and and listenership. Yeah, because you worry so much about the amount of screen time kids are having right now just to get them off screens, even though some podcasts you'll listen to with the iPad and with the phone, it's just not the same as them sitting staring at a screen for hours and hours and hours. And I know that there's been a huge amount of concern about that amongst parents because now they have unlimited time to sit and stare at screens so I think also fictional podcasts just taking you out of the whole coronavirus crisis and landing you somewhere else you know just listening to something completely different I think it's escapism from tough times and it's also just a really pleasant listening experience lots of podcasts have just really kind of gripped me in the last few weeks and I've just sat there and thought yeah this is a really enjoyable way to spend lockdown give us some names (laughs) I knew you were going to say that (laughs) so my favorite one at the minute is a podcast on fun kids called the space program and it is a science fiction podcast about a girl who wants to go into space I, I just hope that the radio industry can continue to learn from the podcast industry because I think they've got a lot of valuable lessons, which especially right now are transferable to the radio sector. Actually, radio has brought more diversity into their shows at the moment, right? Because they've been using more podcasts and because the situation calls for more on-air, on-demand content. Yeah, I think they have. I think they've been using cross-platform, especially it's become really important because as I was saying, the 24-hour cycle of having to keep more content on air and possibly not being able to create the live content as they did before, you need something to fill the base. So using podcasting within radio is really a powerful thing right now. Do you think this change in in the audience listening habit is going to last? I think I think any 
kind of light entertainment because I think that now that a lot of the countries have announced that lockdown is going to last longer and quarantine is going to last longer and we're going to have to stay in our homes to work for longer, you know, there is a change in the rhythm of life and the way people work. I think that the way people listen as well, because this period has given people time to explore podcasts because you're not sitting in an office with lots of people around you who don't want to listen to what you're listening to. So people are sitting at home working and they're listening to podcasts and they're listening with their children. And so they're bringing podcasts into the lives of their children and into their daily routine. I think, yeah, lots lots of people will continue to listen in this way. And as well, we're seeing that the daily commute might be completely different for people. This is just, you know, sort of my my own personal listening um, experience, but I feel like I'm doing the exact same patterns that I fell into following the 2016 election uh, in the US, whereas I was just binging like hard news podcasts and then binging super light and fluffy podcasts. And I think that reflects the trends that you said that you were seeing um, in terms of, of, of wider listenership. So I think, you know, news content is going to continue to be heavily consumed and really, really important. But it's important to have those refuges as well. I think just what you said as well. I mean, if you looked at the coverage of uh, Brexit last year, it was such an important time for news. And it was such an important time for listening to the news that people have continued with that habit. And also right now, because... It's such an unknown quantity, this virus. People love to hear as much as they possibly can about it. So I think that's exactly what you were saying. It's important that broadcasters keep on air. Yeah, for sure. And they're doing a great job, to be honest. I'm continually impressed with the level that has been consistent throughout this whole thing that we're going through. It's important as well to mention that even though people are staying on here from home, the quality of their shows is still there. I was even dare to say some of the shows are better from home. <laughs> That's terrible, but they are because maybe the technical quality is better, but the quality of the content and what people are aiming for because they know they have to keep things going. I think it's really pushing the broadcasters and really pushing the stations. I mean, we sent out a really interesting piece from Denmark's radio last week in our newsletter about them creating some musical content for one of the shows. You know, it really was a quality piece of content, just incredibly well made, incredibly well produced and, you know, stitching together so many different audio files from different musicians with I'm sure a different quality it was just brilliant Rosie would you say that like people on the radio have developed a different tone broadcasting from home like is it more casual is it more human I think more human is probably the right way to describe it because I mean there's fabulous photos of all of these different broadcasters broadcasting from home in their pajamas and from their living rooms so you get an insight into their daily lives and you know their decoration tastes and things like that which is great 
So I think more humane and more relatable. For me, I especially hope this encourages young people to think, hey, they're doing it and they're doing it from home and they're creating these incredible shows. I can do that. I want to be in radio. I want to be part of that. So I hope it has that positive influence. But definitely broadcasters have become people, whereas maybe they were just a voice before. It's interesting how people have been going through extra lengths to stay visible as well. You mentioned visual radio, and I've seen some radio stations while being on air, being on social media live as well. So like they're on air on radio, then they stop the mic, then they're on live on their iPhone. It's such complicated workflows, but they're doing it. And now instead of being on air just for their show, they're on air 24-7. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just like, you know, this is the moment to show up. For everyone. And I think a lot of people are really taking that to heart. So what's next? How does it work after lockdown is over? How do we learn from this experience? I saw a post yesterday on Twitter from a French local radio stations and it grabbed my attention because it was like, okay, lockdown is over. We're back in the studio. And it showed like three people in a closed studio, physically closed, probably like respecting social distancing of like 1.5 meters, but still like no one wearing any mask. And I thought it looks as if nothing had happened. It looks exactly like before. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for broadcasters is that studios are an enclosed environment. So do you put your broadcast team into that enclosed environment with basic protective equipment? Um, so like a mask, but then it's difficult to understand and hear people. Do you put one of these see-through visors on them, but they're not as good as masks? Or do we know that masks are good? Do we not? How do you control, you know, does somebody come in and clean the studio between every single broadcast? Broadcasters especially are going to have a really tough time with this because unless you've got multiple studios where you can put people and really high production, the fact that a lot of broadcasters broadcast in teams now or they have multiple presenters So think for the broadcast environment, this is going to be really tough if you are allowed to go back into the actual studio or do, the, do broadcasters keep all of this broadcasting from home so that they protect their staff? It's interesting because now that they've done it, they know it's possible. Are they going to keep staying on air from home? I think that's a hope that I have for an opportunity that has been sort of created by these circumstances is to have a lot more flexibility. And this is really across all industries, but definitely within broadcast environments. I think we can also talk about how jobs are going to evolve as well. I think as well that there's a, a legal side to this. Things are going to change because production is going to change The number of people that you're allowed in the space is going to change. So is this a good thing for radio or is this a bad thing because people will lose, lose their job? So far, we can see basically what's going to happen in the short term. And the prospects for radio don't look good on the commercial side. But also how are the different broadcasters going to set things up and I think we spoke about last week, the way that people work has changed and what's acceptable has changed. So 
now you have people broadcasting from home being interrupted by dogs and children and all sorts of different things which in the past wouldn't have been acceptable but now there is a certain acceptance so I think that has in some ways been a positive change. I think we can all agree that so far the radio industry has done a pretty good job at handling the situation overall. Yeah, and I, that's why I say like I want to see the learnings from this time be applied to the aftertimes. I think going backwards is going to be the impossible thing now. You can't suddenly go back to how it was before because physically, technically, everything has changed. The expectation from the listener has now changed as well. So I think that no station will ever go completely back to what they were before. The industry as a whole has got to really think about its future and its digital strategies and its strategies for staff and how to go forward, keep radio relevant and innovative. So I think there will be big changes and not all of them will be positive. I think it's really important to emphasize the importance of togetherness at the moment. I mean, it was important to work together before the pandemic, and it's even more important now that all the players are really working together in order to create these innovative solutions and keep giving the audience the best content possible. I think radio has never been more together. I think if you look around the industry, I think that Radio especially, we support each other, we work together, we collaborate. There is, even though there's a divide between commercial and public, that divide right now is much smaller because everybody's just together broadcasting and trying to make good content for their listeners and trying to support their communities. And I think it's just such an amazing industry to be in at any time but especially right now and especially seeing how much support the industry is giving to all areas within the industry. Yeah I couldn't agree more. I think if anything this has proven something that we've known all along is that audio is a very powerful medium, powerful in its ability to engage, to reach, to inspire trust. So in general what would you say to the radio industry right now? Be strong, stay strong, keep creating the most amazing content for your listeners and remember that we're all broadcasting together. Oh, that was a good one. Good luck, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, be bold, keep innovating, try things that you didn't think you were capable of, keep going. It's been really a privilege to be able to have such strong, reliable and entertaining content always but especially now and invest in your people and invest in internal technologies <laughs> <laughs> but thank you thank you very much to you both for taking the time today to come on the podcast thank you for having us this is yes, fun. thank you very much and guys see you soon on the next episode of women in tech and radio bye